Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're not trying to create the next Messi or Ronaldo over here. Um, of course, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Cuando se narra en español, la emoción sube muchísimo. Soccer can overcome racism, sexism, homophobia, and economic injustice. That's a pretty big statement. So here we are today with a new episode of Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. This este is... programa semanal, Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor, que sale prácticamente todas las semanas. Pero claro, hay semanas que, oye, pues poco se puede, no hay que forzarlo, no hay que forzarlo. No hay yeah, que... yeah. Well, the second Thursday of the week, you know, is, is an important one. And right. uh, who are we? I'm Lisa. Hola, yo soy Guillermo. Nick Leiber. Y aquí estamos los tres, juntos en Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. Eh, hoy vamos a hablar de fútbol por un motivo fundamental, y es porque Lisa jugó al fútbol. Sí, es cierto. Y fue algo, pues, bastante divertido que, aunque no... Y bastante, fue... y bastante sospechado. ¿Con qué edad empezaste a jugar a fútbol? Ah, a las tres, sí. I was 38, uh, one day walking my dog in the park behind my house, and uh, saw one of my friends running around on, on the field, where normally our kids practice soccer. And she was playing with a bunch of women I didn't know, and... She called me over and said, hey, how are you? And then before I knew it, I would, was joining a women's soccer league. It was phenomenal. Pues jugué por muchos años y lo que me encanta más que nada es que aún es, somos todas amigas, uh, una comunidad muy fuerte que realmente um, hemos pasado por muchísimo juntas. Uh, es una hermandad más que, más que nada. Pasamos por la muerte del esposo de una y de un hijo de otra, bodas, divorcios, enfermedades. Do you remember the first time you scored a goal? I do remember, and I heard that voice in my head, goal! Goal! Goal, 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 Miss Button. <laughs> also, the 16th edition of the Homeless World Cup is going to take place in Mexico City in the Zocalo on in November, November 13th, and in, in, in very soon. And they're going to be like over 500 players. 47 countries are all going to go to Mexico City, and they're and they're going to they're going to do a week of football. And, and uh, the idea is to get the word out about homelessness. And this is the 16th year they're doing it. 
which I think is pretty interesting. And it, it turns out that... La idea de hablar de homelessness, pero también la idea de hablar de que se puede salir de, de la calle. Se puede volver a regresar a tener una vida normal, decente, con familia, sin familia, solo acompañado, pero con ilusión por seguir adelante. But I totally get it, because what I was just saying about how a team is so much more uh, than just a bunch of people who show up on the same day to kick a ball around and try to get it into a curioso porque el mundo del fútbol del que vamos a hablar hoy es un mundo que se le ha negado durante muchos años a Estados Unidos. Estados Unidos es un país de inmigrantes, de inmigrantes de países que adoran el fútbol. Hablemos, por ejemplo, de Italia, hablemos, por ejemplo, de Alemania, hablemos, por ejemplo, de Polonia, de España, de Francia, hablemos de todo Latinoamérica, hablemos de México y dónde estaba el fútbol, no estaba en televisión porque era imposible que estuviera en las pantallas, ya que las cadenas de televisión no veían manera de monetizar ese deporte. ¿Cómo vas a ganar dinero con un deporte cuya parada solo ocurre cada 45 minutos? Mucho mejor el béisbol, mucho mejor el baloncesto, mucho mejor el fútbol americano, que cada 35 segundos puedes poner un anuncio en cada interrupción. Hasta que llegó la tecnología, hasta que llegó la televisión inteligente, la publicidad puede ocurrir de muchas formas, aunque el juego no se interrumpa, y el fútbol, yo diría, no ha empezado en Estados Unidos. Ha vuelto a Estados Unidos porque estaba en los corazones de la gente de aquí, pero no estaba en las televisiones. Entonces, por fin ha coincidido el mundo virtual con el mundo real y lo que ha ocurrido en el último Mundial, en los bares, en las cafeterías de Media América, ha sido espectacular, con llenazos completos y gente llevando la camiseta a cada uno de su equipo y subiendo la cerveza en alto cada vez que sonaba gol. ¿no? El fútbol ha venido a, a Estados Unidos y ha venido a quedarse. Mm, es cierto, ¿verdad? I keep seeing all these different studies that, that show that um, in, the, in the lead up to the World Cup and in different parts of the world, there's a lot of talk about we're going to make a lot of money from this, but then in the follow-up, um, we learned that the city actually didn't The city itself didn't make that much. Well, it is a it is a business. Some business works, some business don't. But it's an investment. Uh, uh, to be the city uh, with the Olympic Games, to be the city with the World Cup, to be the city with uh, any cultural event, that's a guarantee that uh, you're going to make money just for the tourism of you know that you're going to have during three weeks. But if Barcelona didn't have the Olympic Games in '92, Barcelona wouldn't be today the number one tourist city of the whole planet. I guarantee you that. So it depends how you do it. You do yeah. it properly and you invest and you have a business plan and you have a reason to do it and you know a follow-up, uh, I guarantee you it works. But look what happened in Brazil though. For the, for the last one, there were so many protests leading up to it because in reality, people there were starving and in, you know, had terrible job problems with the economy, yet they were you know, investing millions in this. There, there was so much protest. Speaking of, speaking of the World Cup, we should uh, welcome our guests to, um, to talk to us about, about this, this next homeless World Cup that's going to take place in Mexico City shortly. Let's, let's, uh, okay, well, don't let's, interrupt me, por let's favor, get them. go ahead and do it. Hola, Reed Fox. How are you doing, man? I understand you're the coach of the American team that is going to go to the Homeless World Cup. Yes, I'm the um, U.S. director and I coach the men's team. So what the hell is a homeless, you know, soccer team? Yeah, so the Homeless World Cup partners with 
72 organizations across the country, uh, across the world, I should say, um, who use soccer as a tool for social change and homeless individuals or uh, refugees. Um, and we use soccer as a tool to build community and connect people to social services and really be a, a support system. We're not trying to create the next Messi or Ronaldo over here. Um, of course, that wouldn't be a bad thing, but uh, at the end of the day, soccer is just a vehicle for us um, to connect our players to social services and to do goal setting with them um, and really to give them direction um, and more than anything, a support system um, because so often people fall through the cracks of our society and end up homeless just because um, they were born with a situation uh, where they don't have the support that so many of us are, are lucky to have. What is the first thing you learn? Uh, we're going to talk about soccer. We're going to talk, of course, how soccer can make or help people uh, go from a homeless situation to a good life. But uh, when do you realize that actually to be a homeless is not such a difficult thing? It can happen to anybody. Yeah, it's just, in, I mean, I've just met hundreds of homeless people in the past decade with my work with street soccer. And you just, <clears throat> after one practice with them, you, you realize, you know, these aren't different people than us. And then you talk to them after practice and you hear their stories and, um, you know, maybe they immigrated here and their parents were deported. Maybe they were born in a homeless system. So many of these people were born in homeless shelters whose parents were homeless. Um, and so what do you expect that kid to do? Um, and so once you get to the root of it and you realize that, you know, there's so many different situations where people can end up homeless that are out of their control and it can happen so quickly, um, it really puts into perspective that, you know, these are just people like, like us. That is such an interesting point that you bring up about people being born in homeless shelters. I don't think that's anything that I have really ever heard about or read about. Um, what do you think is, is uh, why don't we hear about what these causes of homelessness more? Um, why are people so uninformed? Yeah, I think it's very easy to just shove homeless people into shelters and uh you know they call them invisible people because people just don't want to deal with with the fact that there are so many of these people who fall through the cracks and that it, it's a broken system and it's not a problem that's going to be solved overnight or in a month or in a year it's something that has deep systemic flaws um, that need to be addressed and and they're not easy answers to come up with and i don't have the answer but I think street soccer is, is one program that's at least working to alleviate the problem. I'm curious where you, where you find homeless people. I'm curious about your, your daily routine. For recruiting. That's one of the tough parts about uh, the job is finding people to join the program. Um, but it's basically just going from shelter to shelter with information, with the schedule, with the location. I'll bring t-shirts. I'll bring a soccer ball. Um, and just talk to people while they're eating dinner at the shelter or um, meeting with case managers or if they're having a shelter meeting, um, any opportunity I can get to get face-to-face -face with people. So it's really just a word-of-mouth thing. 
¿Qué tiene el fútbol? ¿Qué principios hay en el fútbol? ¿Qué ética tiene el fútbol? ¿Qué manera de jugar tiene el fútbol? What's in soccer that actually can help those people uh, to achieve their target? Yeah, so a big part of it, and I think the, the first thing that you can see so quickly is a increase in confidence and self-esteem. Um, you know, these people are often marginalized and uh, they're not trusting of other people. And so you'll see right away an increase in self-esteem. They'll open up, they'll start talking more, they're laughing. Um, and that's such a simple thing that soccer can bring to people so easily. Um, And that allows them to believe in themselves, right? And have that self-belief where I can set these goals and I can achieve these goals. Um, and that's a big thing that, that we work on with our players is having a plan um, and achieving that plan. There's, a, there's a, a documentary called Kicking It that's narrated by Colin Farrell about the Homeless World Cup. Do you see people in it who follow the same kind of guidelines that you put into place in your work in New York City? The, so the movie follows players from five different countries. Um, and you'll see that the landscapes in these countries are drastically different from each other. Um, they follow one of our first players from Charlotte, North Carolina, Craig Holly. Um, and we were a much smaller organization back then. We only operated in Charlotte. Um, but we were deeply rooted in that community. And yeah, the players uh, would be showing up on time. And this is the first street soccer skill we teach. Um, we teach a street soccer curriculum, um, which relates life skills to soccer skills. And the very first one is showing up. Um, so it takes, takes a little bit of time, but that's kind of the first basic skill that we can instill in our players is why it's important to be on time and not only to be on time, but to be prepared and to be equipped and ready to play and be in the proper mindset uh, to participate and be a positive influence on the group. Um, and then, you know, how does that relate to their lives? Okay. If you have a meeting with a case manager, why is that important uh, to show up to, to be on time to, um, to be on time to work, of course, to be there for a family member who calls you and needs help. Um, so this is a basic skill that if we can instill in our players on the field, the hope is that it translates into their lives. How good of a player you have to be to make up, uh, I mean, to make a cut? <laughs> we take any skill level, any age. I get all people of all ages and backgrounds from 18 to 65 years old any type of skill. I have some really, really good players, some of the best futsal players I've seen, uh, better than me for sure. And then I have guys who've never kicked the ball in their lives. And what about, um, so the, the people under 18, is there a separate team for, for children who are living in homeless shelters? Yeah. <clears throat> so Street Soccer USA, we also run youth programs. Uh, so we run free soccer clubs and low-income areas across the country. Um, here in New York, we operate in five different locations, four in Brooklyn and one in the Bronx. Um, those aren't all necessarily homeless kids. We do have um, a good number of homeless kids, um, but that's uh, mainly targeted at any kid in one of these neighborhoods. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, 
you can't afford to pay $5,000 a year to have your kid in a, a soccer club. Um, and so we're really attacking the pay-to-play model um, of club soccer in the U.S. for the youth. Um, and so we're, we're providing these free soccer programs for kids in those areas. One of the things we try to do in street soccer is let the game be the teacher and keep players as active as possible. So we don't have our players just standing around in lines a lot, waiting for the ball. Everything we do, we try to keep them moving and we try to get them playing as, as actively as possible. Um, so if you come and, and watch a practice, you won't see me up there talking about strategy for 25 minutes or uh, you know, having them stand in line and, and one person shoot after the other. It's very active, it's very fun, it's very energetic, um, and, and that's kind of what we strive to do. But you jump up and down and scream, right? Or no? <laughs> <laughs> Not <I'm> usually. <laughs> they, can get, they can get me angry, but uh, I try to avoid the screaming when I can. But jumping up and down is good. Don't interrupt me, por favor. Uh, is there a lot of swearing in Spanish? Yeah, I've learned a few uh, Spanish curses, I should say. I hear a lot of, no mames way, and I hear a lot of, uh, a su madre. That too, I hear a lot. So, yeah, I do hear that quite a bit. Are, are there women players? Do you play co-ed um, uh, practices, or what do you... It's separate what do you yeah doing? great question great question so this is something that i've made a priority for new york is to start a women's specific program um for the past four or five months i've had a couple women so they've just been playing with the men not enough for a team but i've really made a push to recruit more women and so now i have a really great group of seven or eight women um who have their own program and their own team now um and so that's been a great thing. And nationwide, we're trying to really focus on, on the women and create uh, safe spaces and, and equality with our women's programs. So we'll be taking a, a great group of eight women down to the Homeless World Cup. Um, we always take a men's and a women's team. So we're, we're really excited about that. And I'm happy to have a women's program going here in New York as well. ¿Quién son los favoritos para esta Copa del Mundo de los sin techo que va a ocurrir en el Distrito Federal de la capital de México? Who are, who's the favorite here? I mean, you're, we're talking about people trying to achieve something bigger than sport, but at the end of the day, it's a competition, right? Somebody has to win, somebody may be the lead. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the, the World Cup is definitely competitive. Um, now, we don't bring, we don't take necessarily our best soccer players from across the country we take the players who are most dedicated to the program and who are achieving the most goals off the field um, and so we never really finish anywhere high I think our best finish ever for the men was 19th uh, the women usually finish in the bottom two or three and have the most fun of any team in the tournament um, the favorites usually are Brazil Chile Mexico Russia Poland um, they all have strong, strong competitive teams. Do you think they have a different philosophy in terms of who they're bringing? They're, they're out to win. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. And, uh, yeah, it can be a little controversial for, uh, the definition of homeless in each country. So <laughs> you just need to meet the national standard of homelessness. And, uh, we're very strict about that and we're not certain how, how many other countries are, but, <laughs> we certainly are.
Very um, exciting. Very exciting news. We're going to be, uh, you know, looking forward for uh, whatever happened in Mexico. Yeah. Y vamos a ver si las mujeres suben un poquito de la tabla, aunque lo pasen también. Mm. I was surprised to learn today that women have been playing soccer in Latin America for over 100 years. I don't know. I just, that sort of surprised me. But anyway. Uh, oh, would... yeah. Soccer's always been the world's game. Well, let's, 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 talk to, let's talk to one of your players. Here's Pedro Roberts. He's a, a great guy, really positive influence on our team. Um, and he had never played soccer before meeting me four or five months ago. So he's a great example of, of what the program can do and how anybody can, can join it and play. Hello. Hola, Pedro. ¿Estás hey, por hola. ¿Estás por ahí? ¿Qué tal? ¿Qué tal va el fútbol? ¿Cuatro meses son suficientes ya para meter goles por la escuadra? <laughs> sí, uh, algo así. A veces uno falla, pero qué se va así. <laughs> va, va enseñando palabras a, a Reed, palabras malas o no? No, ma, mala no, será ah, vosotros. Yo, yo, <laughs> palabras regular, yo, yo le digo a él. Ah. ¿Cómo es tu experiencia, Pedro? Uh, tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, you, I mean, you haven't been a homeless forever, right? Uh, no, I, I mean, yo, yo, um, Regular como cualquiera, porque tenía trabajo, yo, yo era chofer de camión. Um, entonces lo que me pasó a mí fue que yo, yo tuve un, un ataque mental y nada, de un día para otro lo perdí todo. Y um, quedé en el shelter. Y ahí, ahí fue que yo conocí a Rick. Um, porque ellos estaban jugando soccer y yo dije, oh, como yo no estoy trabajando ahora y me estoy cuidando mi salud, eh, esto sería un, un, algo bueno para pasar tiempo, jugar soccer. Yo siempre, yo siempre quería jugar soccer o aprender el, el juego más. ¿Qué tal la experiencia eh, con los otros compañeros? Porque por lo que nos dice Reed, eh, el equipo es, hay todo tipo de humanos, ¿no? Sí, hay, hay unos cuantos jamaiquinos ahí que juegan bien, hay otro que de Perú, um, yo yo soy de, de, bueno, yo nací aquí, pero mis mi padres son de la República Dominicana, so, um, ustedes saben que la pelota es para nosotros es lo primero. <ríe> Esa. Cuando dices la pelota te refieres al béisbol, que es el deporte de sí, béisbol, claro, como en Cuba. Sí. O, sea que, o sea que el fútbol, tú, yeah. no, has, tú no has crecido, eh, no has tenido la cultura del fútbol, es un deporte nuevo. ¿Y qué, qué, no, yo no. ¿qué, tiene, qué tiene el fútbol de interesante para ti? Um, bueno, yo antes yo manejaba taxi amarillo y, y um, yo me encuentro que el, el fútbol para mí como que me da, eh, eh, ¿cómo le digo? The same drive. Mm. Yo no sé cómo se dice en español. Go ahead and say it in English. So what happened with soccer? Well, I used to drive yellow cab. So I used to get a rush out of driving yellow cab, you know, driving the car up and down the road. And, and I, I feel like I get the same rush when I, when I play soccer, um, you know, running around in the field and kicking the ball. So that's, that's what I really like about it. And, to, and yelling to your teammates saying, hey, pass it to me or that kind of thing. Yes, you get a lot of adrenaline, <laughs> a lot of going, a lot going on in the soccer soccer games. So I really like it. Do you think you have you gotten better over the past few months? 
Um, yeah, I, I learned I learned how to um, how how to kick the ball better. I, I used to kick with my toes, so now I, I kind of try to I, I I got a better angle on my foot and I, I kick with a little more power. Mm-hmm. Um, my my aiming is still needs work, and um, the passing I'm good with the passing. I, I pass no problem. Mm, have you played goalie but, at all, Portero? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I I played goalie. I played goalie when we went out to um to Sacramento. Well, that was the national the national cup. I took um I took it upon myself to play goalie, being that I'm not experienced. Um, you know, I thought that'd be a better better option to you know strengthen the team and and um yeah, we made it. We made it up. Uh, what was it? Fifth out of thirteen. Sí, yo, yo so, tengo seis tres. Seis pies tres. Tú eres, tú eres, yeah, un, y, tú eres un gigante, tú eres eso... <risa> la portería con el cuerpo. No hay cómo entrar en el flor ahí. Sí, yo, yo estaba parando mucha bola ahí. No, 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 no era difícil. Sí. Sí. Hey, uh, I got the, the feeling that uh, uh, homeless and loneliness uh, must be very close. Uh, so I wonder, uh, how do you feel when you play as a team with other people doing something together, something that makes sense for you? Well, um, the the the, um, the thing we have over here in 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 New York City, well, the shelter where the soccer, our whole thing is family. So that's that's helped out a lot. Um, you know, uh, knowing that others are. are going through the same thing you're going through, so you're not alone, you're not struggling by yourself. Um, and I guess seeing the other players sm- smile and having a good time too, sometimes, it, you know, it helps you to be like, okay, you know, it's not that bad. Um, you yeah. know, at least, at least, you know, they're laughing and stuff and having a good time. So, you know, it, it, it takes away from the whole... Um, like you kind of forget everything else sometimes, you know. When you're running around on the field, that's that's when you are just kind of in the zone and you're not worrying about other things. Pedro, una pregunta más. ¿Cuántos años tienes? Oh, yo, 33 años. Y ahora dónde 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 está está en un shelter viviendo aún. Sí, en un shelter en Randall's Island. Have you started to make new goals for yourself to to sort of change your you, the way you think about your life? Well, I mean, I'm just trying to do do what I used to do, but uh, go back into to driving again, and you know, get a place, and just you know, try to live my my old regular life. But one thing I have noticed um, is is like um, you know, nothing's ever really promised. So I guess you got to take savings a little more serious, <laughs> you, you know, uh, stuff like that. You know, because mm-hmm. we're very bad at rainy day. Yeah, we're very bad at that in this country. We're very bad at saving. Yeah, yeah. So, Porque, eh, la, ver- you know, la, ver- I- la verdad es que en un país como Estados Unidos, uno está a, a muy corta distancia de convertirse en homeless, ¿verdad? Eso, eh, aquí te pagan cada semana. Sí. Con, que de, con que no te entren dos cheques semanales, eh, estás sin poder pagar la casa, el seguro, eh, las deudas, la tarjeta ahí en la calle. Sí. Yeah, verdad, y después una cultura de, de siempre gastar y, y, y estar al, al día con, con todas las you know, cosas que están nuevas y todo eso. 
¿Es algo difícil para ti el proceso de volver? Porque, claro, eh, nos has contado que de repente te dio una um, mental y te convertiste en homeless, pero ¿se puede uno de repente volver a la normalidad o eso tarda ya un poquito más? Depende. Aquí en Nueva York yo, yo pienso que tarda porque um, eh, la situación de, de buscar apartamento no es tan fácil. Eh, tratando de buscar un trabajo bueno no es tan fácil. Todo, todo uno tiene que esperar. Mientras, you know, en, en otro estado, maybe tú vas para la Florida y, y allá ellos quieren darte trabajo y, y están buscando gente o los apartamentos hay muchos allá en la Florida o algo así. So, la espera, yo creo que depende a, a dónde uno, uno vive. Desde que empezó el, el programa de, de fútbol, ¿cuánto, por ejemplo, currículum ha mandado a para buscar trabajo. Bueno, yo 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 no he podido trabajar porque los médicos me tienen eh, eh, um, en, en pausa ahora. Yo lo que estoy ahora solamente eh, eh, cuidando mi salud y, y mi apoyo y cosas así. Y, y ellos van chequeando hasta hasta que ven que está listo. Yo pienso que maybe, maybe como en dos semanas o algo yo puedo comenzar a buscar trabajo. Yo estoy pensando en security guard eh, por ahora. Maybe tra lo voy a hacer. Maybe trabajo security guard, maybe seis meses o algo. Y, y ahorrar un poquito de dinero y, y, y um, comprar mi herramienta que yo, que yo neces necesito para ser chofer y, y, y maybe una bicicleta para ir para el trabajo. So, después que tenga todo eso, después me vuelvo a trabajar de nuevo de, de chofer. Pedro, what do you wish that the, the average person would know about becoming homeless? Well, not, not if you got a good family, you know, don't, don't take them for granted because that's a support system. Um, you know, you can always sleep in a family member's couch or whatever. Do you think people have uh, I, the wrong impression about um, homeless people in general? I kind of feel like there's like a like a, a, a fear kind of. I mean, honestly, I, I think some people, because you know, judging off the people that that I, I met in the shelters, um, I think I think some of us probably end up homeless because we're a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say reckless, but just I guess like carefree people. Like we really don't think things are gonna happen. Like I never thought I was going to become homeless. If if I would if I if I would have known I would have ended up in this position, I think I would have been a little bit more cautious with with my health and you know the way I was living. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I would have never stressed. Uh, I would have never taken upon so much or, or stressed myself out with so many things because you, you you could have a break. Like anything could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, I think it's kind of, it's pretty easy for people to have like mental breakdowns, you know, given with all the stress there is nowadays. ¿Al Mundial de, de México vas a ir tú o no te toca? Oh, no, yo, a mí no me toca porque yo no tengo, eh, no tengo suficiente tiempo con... con ah! Chisa, ¿no? ¿Y <laughs> <laughs> el, 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 el año que viene. El año que viene. Eh, ¿Cómo? ¿Tú quieres seguir siendo homeless el año que viene para ir al Mundial? No, no, no. no. <risa> Espero yo, que no, ¿no? Yo voy a, ser parte de voy a ser parte del programa, sí, pero homeless no. Ah, ya, okay, el okay. año que viene. Uh -huh. okay. 
Bueno, pues mucha suerte con todo y mucha suerte a, a tu equipo, porque aunque no estés tú en México, supongo que les estarás animando, ¿verdad? Ah, sí, sí. <risa> ok, pues muchas gracias. Gracias. <risa> ok, de nada. Va a ser bueno. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I can tell you on my team it was very different. Uh, we had people in different professions, lawyers, uh, architects, teachers, even doctors. And yeah, in fact, I was going to mention that uh, I had to have a team of doctors. So it kind of reminded me of, of a team at, at one point in my life where I was interrupted very rudely por un diagnosis de cáncer del, del seno. Y una de las jugadoras en mi equipo uh, era mi radiólogo. Radióloga, wow. digo. Wow. Ya. Yeah. Entonces, eso fue algo que yo pasé y, y también quería hablar sobre este tema como, como fue exactamente siete años atrás. Tuve la cirugía y después tratamiento y he encontrado un libro que uh, me interesa mucho que se llama Experts in Pink and I wanted to pass that along and uh, en este libro es, es muy interesante y yo creo que lo quiero recomendar a cualquier persona que, que está pasando por, es, por esta enfermedad y para la familia de esas personas que tiene porque es, porque es muy interesante, porque habla de cosas que mm, tú cuando te enfrentas a esta enfermedad no te planteas o no se te ocurre. Sí, sí, porque es muy práctico, es un libro muy práctico. ¿Cómo, cómo se llama el libro? Se llama Experts in Pink. And we can talk about pink and other things of why that word, but um, as you know, pink is the color that is associated with like the uh, breast cancer research ribbon. Con panteras también, ¿no? The Pink Panther, ¿no? <laughs> the, the Pink Panther, way more funny. <laughs> and believe me, uh, yeah, yeah, humor is important for that. The whole episode. I think that was one of the only things I wanted to do was watch comedy. <laughs> and did you join the, the did you join the soccer team around the time that you had breast cancer? Oh no no no! By then I was already quote unquote retired, so I had my built-in community of support. Uh, So you met your radiologist on when you were playing? Yeah, she was oh, okay. already playing, yeah. Mm -hmm. Our next guest is Sean Stein, Associate Professor of Spanish and Portuguese at Dickinson College in Pennsylvania. Sean, we're so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Gracias. Estás en una pequeña localidad en mitad de la nada, ¿no? Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Eh, ¿Eso qué es? ¿Qué pasa ahí, por favor? Sí, más o menos. No, estamos muy cerca de la capital, Harrisburg. 
eh, pero sí, es un lugar pequeño, tenemos 20.000 habitantes en Carlisle. Eh, Dickinson College es como el corazón del pueblo, pero también tenemos el Army War College, uh, que um, es el uh, viejo Indian uh, School de, de Carlisle. De esto podremos hablar en otro episodio, ¿no? Cuando hablamos de los nativos americanos y de el, las atrocidades que les ocurrían, ¿no? Cuando les cogían los hijos y se los llevaban para convertirlos en blancos. You had organized a panel on how soccer can overcome racism, sexism, homophobia, and economic injustice. That's a pretty big statement. Sure. So um, if, if, if I can summarize sort of, there were nine talks uh, at our event, and so um, they were very different. But uh, a common theme is sort of looking at soccer, uh, other soccers, so the plurality of soccer, and trying to pull our eyes away from what is both often very beautiful, but also can be the horror show of uh, FIFA and uh, the, the dominant uh, media-focused soccer. And what happens is that there are a lot of uh, people who are working on soccer studies who happen to be interested in social justice. Um, you know, soccer has uh, great potential to both uh, unite and divide. Uh, and so it's sort of a double-edged sword. Ayúdame, don't interrupt me, por favor, Nick. No, no, vale, vale. Esta vez no te interrumpo, la próxima te voy a interrumpir. Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I'm still trying to get my head around understanding what this is exactly. Sure, so um, I think the, the goals, what we're trying to do with these events, um, one is just to kind of bring awareness to uh, football and the culture of football the, that the world lives football and, and soccer okay. in, in a country okay. in a country of soccer right so uh, in the in the US uh, the way that soccer is experienced is uh, is different um, and we have uh, uh, tend to focus on the national um, whereas the world I think is is pretty good at understanding that football is a, a language that Uh, just like music and other forms of popular culture that um, allow people to have immediate connections and understandings um, across that you know transcends uh, all sorts of borders, uh, borders of identity, language, uh, culture. Uh, so that's one thing. But um, so the the element of social justice is is looking at um, ways in which uh, soccer is both a, a a tool and a weapon right and so going back to the idea of kind of bringing people together and dividing them uh, and so uh, my focus my focus I, I look at um, as, I, as I mentioned fair play so um, I, I'm interested in uh, transgressions of fair play so um, literature that uh, is looking at how women are treated in the world of the greater world of, of soccer. Uh, so both as players, coaches, referees, but also just being uh, a part of the, the, the soccer world. And so historically we, we see uh, you know, discrimination, we see uh, attempts to sort of keep women out of what has traditionally been uh, a, a game for men. Um, and so looking at um, 
how that might be how, how soccer today can be a catalyst for for change both within the, the sport itself but also in greater society pero ayúdame a entender si habéis elegido en dickinson el fútbol eh, porque tiene algo especial que no tiene el béisbol que no tiene el baloncesto que no tiene el rugby o si habéis elegido el fútbol porque había que elegir algo y podéis haber elegido lo mismo el fútbol que la costura o, o el macramé, porque claro, la costura también se para, es decir, los pantalones largos contra los que quieren la minifalda. No, que vuelvo un poco a lo que decía antes sobre el fútbol, como eh, si lo pensamos como un idioma, que creo que es único en el mundo en ese sentido. Hay pocos deportes que realmente podemos decir que son idiomas universales. Que... ¿Pero por qué, pero es que el fútbol tiene esa emoción? ¿no? Porque lo, lo universal es la emoción, igual que uh -huh. la provoca la música, y no lo tiene, por ejemplo, yo qué sé, el tenis. Sí, esa es una buena pregunta. <risa> um, yo creo que tiene que ver con, con la historia, el, el desarrollo del deporte. Um, es un, un eh, deporte en equipo, que ya en sí creo que cre genera um, más pasión, más emoción. Um, pero es, es para mí ya, ya ha llegado a ser un, un hecho eh, de la historia global, que el fútbol es el deporte del mundo, es el, el deporte más popular, es el, el deporte que más, más se juega, pero también es el deporte que, que más eh, se participa como espectadores. ¿no? Y también tienes otro proyecto que me interesa muchísimo, que es una antología que se llama Por Amor a la Pelota y también es, lo tienes en inglés, Idols and Underdogs. And I think that the underdog uh, titles were really got me. So Por Amor a la Pelota is, is the uh, original version in Spanish. Uh, and we eventually translated the book into English um, and updated the interviews. We interviewed all of the authors. I'll just give a quick uh, explanation of the structure of the book. So we have uh, 11 authors, uh, one author from each country of the Comebol, so the South American qualifying group for the World Cup, uh, plus Mexico. Uh, so we, we used a Copa America structure because Mexico is often invited to the Copa America. Um, so uh, the, the idea behind the book, I mean, I, I got into this uh, search for Uh, what I have started calling football fiction. Uh, so uh, short stories, but also novels uh, that use soccer as, as a um, theme that is driving the plot or is, uh, has a heavy presence in the stories and in, in the plot line uh, and the character development. Uh, and it, it really it started to amaze me just how much of this genre or subgenre exists, particularly in Latin America, but really around the world. Uh, and, but it hadn't really been studied well, and there weren't any uh, bibliographies. It was really difficult to find these texts. I ended up traveling all over uh, South America, going to national libraries and bookstores. And, and I, I, read, I read that In some of the bookstores, people were mad at you when you asked them, where are your, where are your, where's your soccer fiction or your football fiction? And they said, what do you mean? We don't have any football fiction. And then you'd walk out of there with 16 copies of different stories or different books that did indeed have 
football fiction. Yeah, that's right. I, I wouldn't say mad, but I, I think I was offending their sensibilities because they, they just had never heard of it. And so these are librarians at the Nas National Library, you know, so it's really sort of a hidden uh, subgenre. And so the idea behind doing the, the original anthology was just to sort of help promote the genre um, and we thought that it's not something that's ever been done right putting together an anthology of soccer fiction from all every single one of the the Comebol countries um, plus Mexico um, well I mean the the non-fiction well no it's talking about the no the fiction fiction but eh, there's non-fiction that is hallucinante no I'm remembering now about the war of football of Kapuczynski sí. when in 69 Honduras and El Salvador se enfrentaron for the classification for the mundial Mm -hmm. Estos partidos acabaron degenerando en un conflicto fronterizo, ¿no? Eh, sí. Narra este periodista de una manera espectacular. O sea, el mm -hmm. fútbol eh, en el campo de la pasión es también algo... Tú has hablado de la capacidad que tiene de juntar ¿no? a, a los miembros de un mismo clan y de dividir ¿no? a, a los hooligans tirando botellas contra los contrarios. Sí. Pero eso es lo que me interesa también, Guillermo, que con, con la literatura, que puedes hablar de temas que con el periodismo o non-fiction, pues no sé, hay, es otra manera. Y yo quería preguntar a, a Sean acerca de esto. What, what can fiction tell us about soccer and social justice that journalism or non-fiction writing cannot? So I think it depends on the approach, but journalism um, tends to, to be maybe a little less gonzo these days. And so uh, if, if journalism can get in and uh, is really presenting um, an insider's view, um, then sometimes there are some, some intersections between fiction and nonfiction. But the nice thing about fiction is that it allows people who would, in normal situations, never be in this setting. So for example, it's very difficult for me to um, be listening in on a conversation between uh, in a locker room, for example, of professional or, or semi-professional teams uh, and, and have that exchange um, it, or, or even just through interior monologues and sort of the, the, the getting into the psyche of football people, whether it's uh, players or, or coaches. These are things that literature al allows for that you don't, you don't see a lot of in um, other forms of media. ¿Quién es el mejor escritor de fútbol? ¿Cuál es el que te emociona a ti más? <laughs> ah, yo, yo, como que después de, de editar eh, estas antologías, ya he comenzado a negarme a contestar esa pregunta. <laughs> Porque tengo ahí 11 cuentos excelentes, por ejemplo, que um, realmente no, no puedo opinar que uno sea mejor que el otro. A mí me, así, el, el nombre que, que puedo eh, soltar que me interesa mucho es uh, Borges, que tiene un, un cuento que escribió con Bioy Casares, eh, que es casi desconocido, que vale mucho la pena. Pero Borges también dijo que the football is, popul is popular because stupidity is popular and football is a game of imbeciles, right? Isn't those, aren't those quotes that are credited, credited with, to him that he, you put in, in your anthology in the beginning? And, Correct. Okay, so, but he, but he still wrote about football. He, he, he wrote 
one short story about football. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing, uh, beautiful uh, attack of the, what was becoming the spectacle of football back in the 60s. Uh, so it was, it was a warning about where, where, where football could wind up. Do you think he was right? Oh, for sure. No, I, I mean, I think all we have to do is uh, uh, put in hashtag FIFA gate <laughs> and, and uh, look back to where, where we've wound up. Um, the, the, uh, it is not the football is is a game that is enjoyed by so many people on this planet that it deserves better. It deserves uh, a better governing body. It deserves uh, to be treated with the the respect for the potential that it has to um, bring happiness, but to bring um, I, I think livelihood. Right. So you know the practice of sport traditionally has been something that's important for for humans, <laughs> and uh, as the most popular game in the world, uh, I, I think. For me, if, if we could somehow uh, slow the spectacle down and um, pull out the, the, the game itself and, and um, uh, celebrate things like the Homeless World Cup, okay, that, that is, you know, it's an amazing event and uh, a lot of people don't even know what it happens. Right? Are you... Oh, disculpa, disculpa. Sí, no, no me interrumpas, por favor. Que... Vale, vale, esta vez no te interrumpo. Tengo, tengo, tengo derecho a hacer una pregunta como... Vale, una, una y... <laughs> Galeano. De, de realmente ser eh, hincha del, del juego, así como me encanta ver partidos, siempre escojo un lado, soy capaz de, de hacerlo y eh, cada vez que veo un partido escojo un lado y normalmente es el underdog. Okay. A mí a, me encanta ver los, los Davids ganarles a los Goliaths, ¿no? Entonces, eh, pero ya, yeah, no, no tengo equipo. Mm. Yeah, bueno. soy, soy un poco raro. Muchas <laughs> bueno. gracias, Sean. Gracias mucho, Sean. Gracias a ustedes. Bueno, hasta la próxima. Ok, hasta la próxima. Chao. La palabra crack, que oigo mucho, que el, el jugador es un crack. He's a crack, you're a crack. Where did crack come from? What did, do you understand crack? Why crack? Eh, sí, crack, crack viene de, de Cracovia, que es una ciudad polaca. No, no, crack, crack, crack es como suena, crack es como suena algo cuando se rompe en español, ¿verdad? Crack, cuando rompes un... No, crick, no, no hace crick. No suena no crick, no suena crack, es un crack. Ah, es un crack. Eh, entonces es un tío que rompe, es un tío que rompe, que todo, que esa es un... Es una, es un, es un o una tía, o una tía. Una tía, es un símbolo de fortaleza. Yo siento lo de fortaleza. Es alguien que es capaz de... de, de ¿cómo, ¿Cómo es la palabra que le gusta ahora a, a Lisa? Disrupt. Oh, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Pues eso, ese disruptor. Eh, los españoles, eh, el idioma español inventó el disrupting 
mucho antes que el idioma inglés. Con, ah, mira, para con eso. El, con el crack. Oh, pues, sabe que el título del libro de Sean Stein es Por amor a la pelota, 11 cracks de la ficción futbolera. Entonces, ahora lo, lo entiendo mejor. But I also want to say that in Ireland, um, they use the word crack meaning fun. And when my daughter was traveling there, uh, that she w didn't know that at first. And, and somebody I didn't said, know that. I know. And it's you, spelled... You guys, you in English say, you crack me up. With that. Well, that's true, but it's spelled differently. And they say huh. like, oh, that's good crack. Oh, huh. <laughs> I thought wow. it was like, what? <laughs> so anyway, we learn everything when we travel. We learn so much. So, estamos en un programa bilingüe y me gustaría, hablando de fútbol, eh, hacer la apreciación que suelo hacer en este espacio y es que el idioma es mucho más que una traducción de palabras, tiene que ver con la cultura. Esta es la retransmisión de un partido emocionante, aunque doloroso para mí, el del Barça-Real Madrid, donde el Barça le clavó cinco goles a mi equipo. Pero así es el espíritu emocionado que utilizan los de la lengua inglesa. Que no tiene nada que ver con el espíritu emocionado que utilizan los humanos que narran el fútbol en la lengua española. Es decir, no sé por qué, cuando uh -huh. se narra el fútbol en inglés es un poco, ¿eh? sí, pues está, todo sí. va bien, la pelotita va por aquí, va a entrar, uy, ha entrado, un gol. Y cuando, <risa> y cuando se narra en español, la emoción sube muchísimo. ¡Oh, raudales! ¡Se va a caer, se va a caer! <risa> ¿Qué pasa ahí culturalmente? No lo sé, pero es cierto, cuando yo... Uh, quiero ver un juego, un partido de, de fútbol. Um, normalmente lo pongo en Telemundo porque oh, es más divertido. Sí, es el, mismo de, es el mismo deporte, ¿no? Pero es curioso porque ahí estamos sí. viendo un ejemplo muy interesante de la cultura. Es exactamente el mismo deporte si le quitas el volumen, pero cuando le pones el volumen en español o cuando le pones el volumen en inglés, uh -huh. es una emoción diferente. ¿eh? Sí. No sé cómo será en chino, pero... Yo estuve, yo estuve hace un, un par de años visitando un... Yo, yo sé muy poco de, de fútbol, soy, soy un ignorante de fútbol. Estuve en una fábrica en Portugal uh, writing an article uh, about the shoe industry. And they showed me these new Cristiano Ronaldo shoes that they were making. They were very proud of them. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who Cristiano Ronaldo was. And uh -oh. the, factory, the factory owner looked at me like I was an alien. He was, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was like, look at you like you're an alien. <laughs> I mean, they, <laughs> they, they all, you know, there are about a hundred workers in this factory and they all like, I got the feeling that they, I had made, they inspired much mirth. I had made their, oh yeah, you know, big boobo. I had, I had no te idea. Te voy a decir que yo eh, me aficiono al fútbol a través de mis hijos, porque yo he jugado siempre al rugby, no he jugado a, a, ah, a, a, okay. a rugby. Y por cierto, me está costando esfuerzo. Bueno, ahora yo no, porque el fútbol ya me gusta, pero en mi época se decía que el, rug, el rugby, o el rugby, eh, como decimos en español, el rugby, es un, es un deporte de burros jugado por caballeros, mientras que el fútbol es un deporte de caballeros jugado por burros. Era, te daba más miedo que te pegaran una patada los del fútbol que que te cogieran por la cintura y te tiraran al suelo y dieras tres vueltas los de rugby. Hay un, hay un lema de, de rugby, es give blood, play rugby, o play rugby, yeah. give blood, ¿no? Es un poco... 
Oh, I had a funny incident one time on the field that I still remember um, today because I was running around and I will say when you when you're new to soccer and you don't have very good skills, you're much more likely to hurt yourself or hurt someone else. Um, but there was this one woman on another team we were playing who was gigantic. She was like a redwood tree. And um, I kind of lost sense of where I was and I turned around and just kind of ran right into her. She was just standing there. And so I said, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, and she just looked at me and she said, no need to apologize. Number nine, it's a contact sport. <laughs> 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 and I just thought of that. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Number nine. Estaba diciendo que, que yo el contacto con el fútbol lo he tenido a través de mis hijos. Mis hijos aficionan al fútbol y yo con ellos. Y entonces empezó mi afición al fútbol a través de ellos. Hasta entonces no, no sabía, no contestaba. De hecho, cuando iba a la, a la facultad los lunes yo no tenía conversación. Porque todo el mundo hablaba del gol de Stilique y a mí no me interesaba nada. Pero eh, hasta tal punto era mi ignorancia del fútbol que cuando nació nuestro primer hijo eh, tuvimos la mala suerte de que el primer año, antes de cumplir un año, eh, hubo que ingresarlo de urgencias y pasamos las navidades en un hospital. Ay. Estábamos con, con el niño entubado, nosotros tristísimos, sin saber qué pasaba y tal, y de repente se abre la puerta y aparecen 15 tíos, sorpresa, sorpresa, tal, uh, qué tal, no sé qué... Y... <risa> Y, y, y mi mujer y yo, Sara y yo, mirándonos y, hola, ¿qué tal? Feliz Navidad y tal. Pero ni idea. Y sorpresa. Y la enfermera me miraba, me guiñaba el ojo. Sorpresa, sorpresa. Y yo digo, ¿Pero ¿qué dices a ti? Y tal. Y ya me dice la enfermera, que son los del Real Madrid. <risa> Estaban estaba todos. Estaba Raúl, estaba Ronaldo, no este cristiano, sino Ronaldo el brasileño, que era entonces el, el, el famoso. Estaba oh, Diego. Sí. Todos. Yo no conocía a ninguno. Entonces, oh, no. Digo, digo, esto se, se habrán equivocado la habitación, ¿qué tal? Y ya cuando... ¡Ah, sí, sí! ¡Muchas gracias! <risa> qué triste es ser del Real Madrid que 600 millones de personas hubieran dado la vida por darte un abrazo y te metes en la habitación. De <risa> oh. la única pareja en Madrid que no los conoce. <risa> Ay, Dios mío. Bueno, señores, nos tenemos que ir, ¿no? Porque hay que preparar ya el próximo Don't Interrupt Me, por favor. Sí. Claro, claro. Y, y hay también. que recordar a la gente que dentro de muy poco vamos a estar eh, en la radio, eh, ya, en, ya en directo por fin, en Kingston Radio, en Radio Kingston, tanto monta, monta, tanto, eh, los domingos a las 2 de la tarde, ¿no? Entre 2 y 3 de la tarde. Yo creo que se ve, se, se ve montañas de, de Kingston, ¿no? Y el río Hudson, y es, es precioso. Y también una lavandería al lado, ¿no? Sí, el estudio, el estudio si está... Si hace falta lavar ropa, pues... El, el estudio pues... está, lo que se dice en, en español, a capricho. O sea, una, una preciosidad. Una preciosidad. I think, I think it's like a speakeasy radio station because you think you're going into a different business, but it's really a radio station and it's fantastic. Está, está, muy, está muy bien. Nos encanta. Y vamos a empezar dentro de poco, pero de momento estamos en podcast. No te lo, no te lo pierdas, síguenos. También en Twitter, at Interrupt Show. And we'll tweet out the links to the uh, football fiction books so oh, yeah. you can find those and read them for yourself in Spanish or English. Ok, pues nos vamos, ¿no? Chao, chao. Adiós.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 